Welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast, coming to you from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee. Be sure and check us out and like us on Facebook and Instagram, and follow us on Telegram as well as on the website of libertyleadershipandlies.com. You can subscribe to notifications on the website to follow the blog there. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Again, that is Larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Now, on to the episode. Well, as I told you, today we will be interviewing a true servant leader. I have observed this young lady standing in the arena on multiple fronts over the past couple of months and really admire her taking a stand for not just her children, but all children. She's going to provide you a bit of her background, but suffice it to say that it does not differ that much from other parents out there all over the country that have deep concerns about the state of public education in our republic. With that, we'll just jump right into the interview. All right, uh, audience, I prepared you for this uh, guest that we have today, and hope you got a lot from her bio, and she's sitting in here in the Go Locker studio about ready to grill her on some questions. Don't worry about it. I think she's quite prepared to answer them. And uh, Well, Emily, go ahead and introduce yourself, separate from the bio that you gave me a little bit about well, yourself. My name is Emily Stanton, and I've been living in Sevier County, Tennessee for about 10, 11 years or so. Originally, I'm from the great, wonderful, small state of Rhode Island. I was born there, lived there for about 12 years, moved to Central Florida for about 12 years, went to school down there, some college, and moved up here. So I'm loving it. Met my husband here about 10 years ago. Um, he came with four children, and we had um, I had one prior that I had brought with me, and then we decided to have one together. So we have six children. And um, basically, we're just trying to live life the way that God is, has instructed us to do so. Absolutely wonderful. All right, so of course, today's episode is about servant leadership and how homeschoolers really are servant leaders. What was the biggest reason or the causal factor behind you choosing to homeschool your children? So for me, initially, I had been in the workforce in corporate America, you could call it, um, for at least 10 years prior, I worked for Clayton Homes um, in Maryville, Tennessee, the home office, worked in the mortgage company. Um, you know, things were okay there. It was fine. Children went to public school. It was always tough trying to keep up the home and also, you know, work and whatnot. You know, over, I had, I've come to faith about four or five years ago. And since then, things changed for me. Um, I started to think of, of the role that I personally believe that, you know, I've been given to me as a mother and a wife. And um, there was some conviction there, but I did feel that I wasn't ready to basically just give up corporate America and say, here, God, I'm going to lay my finances at your feet and I'm going to do what you asked me to do. So COVID was a complete push for me. I was working at home about four to five days a week which was a blessing in itself. But then they shut down the office and sent me home full-time. School shut down. And there I was working full-time for a mortgage company, speaking to customers all day long with five children at home. My sixth being, my oldest one is in the Army. He's at Fort Bragg. Go Army. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
as she's surrounded by Navy memorabilia. <laughs> well, we're not going to get into that discussion, okay? We're just going to leave that be. Thankful for your service. Um, so basically, you know, I kind of saw the curriculum that they came home with. It was essentially garbage. Um, and, you know, just the different things that were getting put into place, the the masking, the temp checks, Clayton Holmes was doing that. So was um, it, there was the Boys and Girls Club that I was hoping to send my children to for the summer, which they had gone to for years. Um, some of the rules that they were implementing, I wasn't allowed in the facility. Um, you know, they would come out to the car to get my children. And, you know, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with handing my children over to a place, even though I know the people there and whatnot, that I'm not allowed to walk into. So I said, they're not going. And then I said, you know what? To my husband, I'm like, if we're unwilling to get to put on masks all day and we're unwilling to be temp checked, why on earth are we sending our children into this? So that was my breaking point. I was like, you know what? I'm not sending my children in there. I'll, we'll figure it out. And our church community has already been, all of them have been homeschooling. And I was like, okay, well, this COVID thing, here's my little, you know, my little taste of what homeschool could look like. And it's got to be easier if I'm not working full time. Well, it's definitely different, <laughs> but I don't regret it, and we are not looking back. Absolutely wonderful. So. All right, so now along with that, since you've been dealing with it since COVID, what are some of the biggest myths that you have actually seen dispelled in your, that people associate with homeschooling? Like like the awkward oh. children, or they can't participate, they don't have friends. Yeah. Socially awkward. That yeah. is the number one response. And it's actually the response I used as well. Um, prior to belief, um, essentially living in the secular world, I would say, you know, why would you ever want to do that? Why would you ever shelter your children? And and truly, it's not sheltering our children. And my children are very far from socially awkward. They do wrestling. You know, ch- homeschool children have the right to be, at least in the state of Tennessee, to, to play sports with the school system. They still have to try out they still have to you know qualify and follow the rules and everything but they they can they can wrestle like my boys all wrestle for pigeon forge um that being said they have a right to do so i just have to notify the principal by a certain date um but it is a complete myth um we are affiliated with you know our church has gatherings and we have more freedom freedom at home you know my children's school four hours a day and we can go do something afterwards. We can go outside and hang out with our chickens. We can go <laughs> farm. That's what we're kind of doing. We're mini farming now at this point. We can go on field trips. We can do whatever we want. And there's no one saying, hey, you know, you can't do that. And we're by far socially awkward. We're very outgoing people. <laughs> I talked about it the other day on uh, the Scripps National Spelling Bee winner. Mm-hmm. How you could scour the internet and you would never find the fact that she was a homeschool child. Mm. until you got to her local newspaper. You know, wow. ABC, CNN, they never mentioned it. They all, of course, focused on her race, but they would do interviews. That was not a socially awkward child. And she won the Scripps National Spelling Bee Contest. You, you got to think about it like this, too. When you're homeschooling, it's, it's another aspect, too. Children are comfortable where they're, where they're at. They're comfortable in their homes, or they should be comfortable in their homes. And, you know, we don't have, I don't have a homeschool room. Our children homeschool all around our home, wherever they're comfortable and wherever they'll learn the most, you know, and when you start thinking about school and how public school is run, it takes time, you know, to get them from point A to point B. They're making them go, you know, they got to do bathroom breaks. And, you know, I'm not saying our children don't do bathroom breaks. I'm saying 
that a lot of this like coming and going and moving classes and doing all this, it's, it's a time taker. You know, it's, it's robbing their time. They're, they're there seven, eight hours a day in, in public school and they're not working seven, eight hours a day. They're literally, you know, having to parade them around the school to do whatever and then trying to get all their attention to teach them something. And then, you know, there's always someone interrupting. And, and another thing is, you know, not all children learn the same. I have four boys at home. My boys are very hands-on learners. They're not meant to sit down and write and, and do all these things, you know, and I can tailor to them and, and how they learn. I can tailor to my daughter who struggles in math. I don't have to teach her common core math. I can teach her whatever math I want to teach her. And I have found one that works for her and she's confident and she's doing well. Where in school, she was getting, I mean, public school, she was getting C's and D's. You know, there's a lot of advantages, you know, for home with homeschooling. But most of the myths out there are just that. They're myths. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's a lie. And, and, you know, I believed them, too. I was there, too. Right. So what are your advice? What's your advice or personal tactics that you're going to use now going forward to advocate for families in this community to homeschooling choice, to get them out of the clutches of government school? Well, I try to talk to people about, obviously, the positives. You know, people think that... For some reason, the idea is that Monday through Friday is what you have to school. It is absolutely not. You can school. A single mom can school around her schedule. I know personally three or four moms that have three and four children, single moms, all of them homeschool. They would not dare send their children. And they're not, you know, none of them have like these master's degrees. One of them does, like she does monitor a website and a few things from home. But around her schedule, she teaches her children. So that's another myth. You know, people think they have to have, you can school your children in the evenings. You can school them on the weekends. You can school them whenever, you know, you feel like it. So trying to kind of bust those myths essentially is what, you know, and not a lot of people, I think a lot of people are now finally maybe realizing that the public school system is extremely flawed and maybe realizing that they don't want their children learning that stuff. And really just educating people, hey, this is what the public system, public school system is doing. And I mean, do you really want your child there? You know, for me, I'm still involved. I still want to fight this school board. I still want (laughs) to, you know, I'm not backing down. I'm not saying that, hey, we should just take our children out and leave. I believe there should be some form of reform through the public school system. But am I willing to sacrifice my children today? Am I willing to send them today to learn that stuff that I disagree with and fight at the same time? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Because, you know, I've learned over the course of my entire adulthood, the government is very inefficient. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything well. I mean, part of the armed forces, we, we always have to get our butts whipped before we finally end up victorious. And it's that way everywhere. And the, I, I think advocating for the public school system is the best way to get two people like one-on-one like hey Mm -hmm. dispel these myths and absolutely i'm going to be there at that school board meeting as well i know several people are going to be there there i've (laughs) heard some rumors that they're saying that they might not let people speak at that because there's so many that signed up to speak coming up so i'm not sure i did not sign up to speak Uh my husband did not as well (laughs) but we will be there um you know supporting our community and um, we did a lot of research yeah. um, and whatnot. So and the young lady Serenity is absolutely about to. Oh speak. yes, and her son actually wrestles with with our children. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. He's a small world. So are there any uh, organizations here locally that support homeschools separate from the school district itself or the government? Like we talked before the show came on that 
that a lot of the churches in the area, they, they don't even want to touch it because they think it's political, just like other issues that the church has advocated its responsibility in the role mm-hmm. of the human life. But are there other organizations other than churches in government? So in regards to homeschooling, you can take a couple of paths. Um, you can register yourself and go through the school system and say you're an independent you know, homeschooler. You are subject to testing through the school system that way. Um, now, we use it umbrella school for a couple of reasons. There's support there. Umbrella schools are basically, um, from my personal understanding and also from what I've used of them, they're like liaisons between the school system and you. So I report to my umbrella school, my umbrella school turns around and they will report attendance vaccinations that are a requirement in the state of Tennessee or a religious exemption form, which many people seem to forget about. Um, we can, we submit that yearly, even as homeschoolers. Um, I report grading to them. They collect anything like last year because it was our first year homeschooling. They had to collect transcripts and everything from the high school for one of our children. So they will do all that work for me. Um, it's worth the, for our family, um, we use Home Life Academy. I think we paid 150 per year for five children. That's extremely reasonable. Wow. And they also have webinars. They have all different things. You can call them and talk to them. There's another one called Aaliyah Academy. They're supposed to be excellent as well. They do essentially the same thing. And also using this um, these umbrella schools, not only are there, um, there's information in there. You know, they have websites. They, they really help you out. Um, information about curriculum. Some of them even have online classes that they can take if they'd like to. So if you don't want to have to teach, I don't know, geometry, you know, you can sign up and do an online class through these umbrella schools. Um, but yeah, they all, they, they do all different kinds of things and I don't have to do state testing with an umbrella school. So I don't have to send my fifth grader or my ninth grader into the school system to do, um, their standardized testing. It waives them because we're under a technically a different school. Wonderful. So. Yeah, so I'll definitely get that information from you and hang it up on the website. How can people that are listening to this podcast, what can you tell them that they can do to assist in spreading the word? I think they can encourage people, even, you know, even older folks, people that are grandparents to talk to their own children about it, um, middle-aged or even young, just to kind of, you know, if you find a myth bust it. I mean, really, you know, like it's just, there's this like bubble around homeschooling that says, Hey, they're socially awkward weirdos, but you know, we have so much freedom and there's so many opportunities in homeschooling. There's classes that I can teach my children that my children would never have been able to learn in the public school system. Um, you know, advocate for that freedom of choice because really that's what it is. These are our children. They don't belong to the government. When you think about it, when you have a baby, when you decide to have a child with your husband or your wife, what are you doing? You're not saying, I'm going to have a child to hand over to the public school system. I can't wait to hand this child over for them to train them in the way they should go. That is not, first off, what the Word of God says. And second, really, how we think when we're you know, having a child or whatnot and um, why are we at the point where we're at now? And we're like, oh yeah, like, here you go. Here's my child and you educate them. Um, so kind of encouraging that, hey, they are our children and we do have the right to choose what they learn. You know, when the child's 18 or wants to go to college and wants to learn whatever they want to learn, great. But they honestly do have more opportunities in homeschool, I believe. They have the opportunities to get all the scholarships and everything, even maybe more 
Um, they just have to, they have to go for it. Yeah. You know, the children have to go for it. To piggyback on that, they have a right to do that. But not only that, parents mm-hmm. have a responsibility I believe to so. do that. I believe so as well. Okay. Uh, at this point, we're going to pause for a word from a supporter of this podcast. Mrs. A.J. DePriest is the director of Proposal Logic. Proposal Logic is a woman-owned, minority-owned small business located just outside Nashville, Tennessee, serving federal contractors with proposal management and technical writing expertise. Since 2011, AJ has served more than 150 federal contractors on proposals for more than 200 federal agencies. While average win rates for federal proposal developers rest around 35%, AJ finished 2020 with an astounding 100% win rate for her clients. So stop losing conventionally and start winning unconventionally. If you are a federal contractor and you are ready to win government contracts, contact AJ at 615-474-2123. Again, that is 615-474-2123. Or you can email her at aj at proposalogic.com. Again, that is aj at proposalogic.com. P-R-O-P-O-S-A-L-O-G-I-C dot com. All right, we're back with Emily again and talking about that homeschooling. How many different curriculums do you think that are out there? Or which Are there any out there that you specifically have received recommendations are better than the other? Or which ones do you use? There's a lot of curriculum, lots and lots of <laughs> curriculum. So personally, we use um, Christian curriculum because we prefer it. So any of the sciences and whatnot um, are all creation-based instead of evolution-based. Um, we tend to go for, with for our uh, science, we use Apologia, which I really like. My children really like the way it's set up. Um, I have them using Apologia from sixth grade all the way up to currently 11th grade. That's my oldest at home right now. Um, no one's complaining. Everyone's learning. When they come up to me and they say, hey, mom, did you know this? That is where I'm like, look, they're learning. Okay. So we use um, Apologia for science. We use BJU Press um, for our language. Um, right now they're using, they're doing, a couple of them are doing Spanish 2. The other ones are doing Spanish 1. Duolingo is also um, an awesome website that they can use for free and actually talk. Um, so they can voice the language. There's lots of languages on there. Um, my little one is my youngest. I say my little cause he is my little, he's my nine year old. So he's pretty, he's one of those children that he gets bored. So I push him a little more. A Becca curriculum is great. Um, essentially for children that are kind of get bored in regular mainstream. So he's in fourth grade. By the time he is done this year, he'll be an equivalent to a public school child halfway through fifth grade. So it is, yeah, it's a more challenging curriculum. Um, he's ready for it. If you see your child's one of those go-getters, um, a Becca curriculum definitely is a great curriculum. Um, we use math, you see, for my daughter because she does struggle in math. She does need manipulatives to move around and to actually visualize math. She struggled in math prior. This has totally boosted her confidence. She understands it thoroughly. It's a master program, like a mastery program. So this year she's going to do decimals. Last year she did fractions. She added, subtracted, multiplied, divided. And this year she's going to do decimals all year. Same thing. So by next year she'll be ready to do pre-algebra and then move on to algebra in her freshman year. 
Um, so yes, there's so many different kinds of curriculums. You know, I have found sunlight's another good one. Um, you can kind of just ask around. I, I piece together ours just because, you know, I don't necessarily like all of a Becca curriculum or all of, you know, that specific curriculum, but that's the glory of homeschool. No constraints. Right. I can go on eBay and get the curriculum. You don't have to pay $300 from christianbook.com or any of these. You can buy everything basically used, put it together. It can be older because guess what? Science really doesn't change. So math doesn't change. A lot of this stuff really doesn't change that much. So you can use something that's five years old and it's still relevant and still great curriculum for today. Sweet. So. And we talk about the churches out there. No, not a lot of them out there are uh, willing partners in this. What do you think it'll take to get them to be? For them to get rid of their 501c3 oh. <laughs> and stand up, stand up and actually proclaim the word of God. That's what I actually believe will happen in a few different fronts for a few different things, not just homeschool. Um, but there are churches out there that do have co-ops that do have groups, um, that are supportive. I do understand though, that if they allow co-ops to meet so often or whatnot, you know, there has to be like a rental kind of thing. Cause it can mess with whatever tax deduction or their nonprofit status or however, mm. I don't know. I don't, I know our personal church. Um, we basically, I mean, everyone homeschools because mm-hmm. we know, we have a, a fellowship gathering, a homeschool gathering once a month just for like socializing, hang out, get together, have some fun um, for our younger children. Other than that, I mean, there are churches that allow you to rent their halls out for meeting, but it really is more of a, it's a separate thing. Like you're renting, right. you know, it's not a church. Affiliated. Church leadership's not affiliated with it. It's Correct. Just, yeah. Correct. Yes. So that, that covers that term cooperatives. Are, are there a lot? I know there's probably not a lot here in Sevier. We mentioned that. Yeah. But, uh. Are there are they big other parts of the country? Or? I think there's some really well organized co-ops um, that we do have one in Sevier County. I know that you know there's two different kind of co-ops and kind of two different types of people. There's probably more, but that I've seen, you know, you have kind of the Christian group of co-ops, and then you have the more secular group of co-ops. From my understanding, our local one is more of the secular group, which is fine, whatever, um, you know, for if that was the way you're wanting to go. But then churches, you know, there are groups of people that do get together that do. Um, there's one, I think, that meets at the Bird Park monthly for more of a social um, co-op. So they go do that together. Um, there's a few that do field trips together every so often around the Sevier County area. They're out there. You do have to look for them. You do kind of need to ask around. Your church would be the probably the first place to ask. Facebook has plenty of groups as long as they haven't kicked them out. <laughs> uh, but most of them, you know, are pretty, are fine. So uh, do you have a specific call to action that you would like the audience to hear? <laughs> my call to action for the current situation for all the issues that are going on in the public school system, not just locally, but nationally in our country is pull your children. Now get them out of the public school system. If you want to fight like myself and my husband fight the school system, fight the funding, fight the money, because that's what it is. It's all money. Everything is money oriented. Um, but really, are you willing to sacrifice your children and their education currently and, and have them learn all these things that you really don't want them learning while you're fighting? 
to me, that doesn't make any sense. If you want to go ahead and pull them and then and continue to fight, you know, because these children ultimately, not just your children, but the children that are in the public school system now are going to run our cities, our counties, our states, and our nation. Do we really want these children doing that? I'm a bit concerned. I'm a bit concerned what it's going to look like when I'm 40 or 50 or 60. Like really what they're teaching these children, they're teaching them what to think versus how to think. You know, there, there's no critical thinking that they're really teaching them. And I'm not saying all, you know, teachers are this or that. I know plenty of them that love their students, that are Christians, that try to, to pour as much as they can. But ultimately, we're losing here. We're losing and we're losing our children. Losing our children is the, is the way we've been going for a while. And that's why we've mm-hmm. lost our country, I believe. Almost completely lost our country. But we are losing our country because of... The biblical foundation of our country is no longer taught. The Christian foundation of our country is no longer taught. Our kids are taught to hate our country, mm-hmm. hate each other, fear each other. Absolutely. Yeah, the division that this, especially with this whole critical race series stuff that's coming up, the division that's being caused right now is not, you know, God divides, but God always divides to redeem. This is not redemption. This is absolute division. They're wanting to divide our children up so that they hate each other. I mean, I have, of course, I have theories on what, you know, is going to happen or potentially happen or whatever, but I do not feel comfortable having my children in that situation where they're learning that division, where they're looking at another person or they're looking, you know, inwardly and saying, you know, I'm white or I'm, I'm, I'm Hispanic. Therefore, you know, then either you feel bad for me or I need to feel bad for you because of the color of our skin. I'm automatically a white supremacist just because I'm white. There's there's just so much. And I just don't think it's necessary to throw my children to the wolves at this point in time. Right. They're not ready. Well, I want to train them, right? So Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 4 through 9, it says, Hear Israel, Adonai our God, Adonai is one. And you are to love Adonai, your God, with all your heart, all your being, and all your resources. These words, which I am ordering you today, are to be on your heart, and you are to teach them carefully to your children. You are to talk of them when you sit at home, when you are traveling on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. You are to tie them on your hand as a sign, put them at the front of of a headband around your forehead, and write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates." How are we teaching our children when we are rising up and laying down and walking about the way when they're away from us over 40 hours a week? When you are coming home from work at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, exhausted from your day in whatever corporate company, you're telling your children, eat dinner, take a shower, go to bed, you're doing it the next day, and then Saturday and Sunday come and it's just gone. It's gone. You are not training your children if you're away from them 40 to 50 hours a week. Absolutely. You can't. You're, you're abdicating your responsibility as a parent. Mm-hmm. Correct. Because if you're allowing government to fill that role, they're going to fill that role. Mm-hmm. They are going to instruct Absolutely. the children in the way they want them. Like you talked yeah. about earlier, it's, it's pure indoctrination. Our schools used to be critical thinking laboratories. Way back in the day. I mean, I've, I've mentioned this before. Ronald Reagan's second biggest mistake after the Amnesty Act in 1986 was creating the Federal Department of Education. You know, and the funding, when you when you talk about the funding, I mean, think about federal funds go to state. State then funds the local, right? So state's going to say, hey, these are the curriculums that you're allowed to teach if you want our funding. 
Well, then we have a list of curriculum that we get to choose from. There's no freedom if we want the funding. Well, when are we going to stand up and say, you know what? Your entire list of curriculums garbage. I'm not going to pick a lesser of two evils or however many evils because they're all evil. And then we fund ourselves. When are we going to do that? Like, when are we going to stand up and say enough is enough? Absolutely. That's that's what everybody needs to do. All right. So any last thoughts or advice for the audience before we close it out? Well, basically, I think I said all I need to say. I mean, you should be training your children. And um, as hard as it is, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. When when we, when we I quit my job, I mean, I was making decent money. I had a 401k. Um, I was advancing. I had an opportunity to be a loan specialist where I would be originating loans. Um, and, and that was going to be a very large, you know, pay increase. But truly, what was more important to me? You know, I said, Father, here's our finances. Like, this is this is what I got. And show, guide me. And I'm laying that at your feet because he's faithful. And I know he'd carry us through. Maybe money's not, it's not as free-flowing as it was before. But truly, I'm not concerned about my children. The peace that I have knowing what's going on with them, what's happening, what they're learning, um, what they're doing, who they're around, um, just that, that training that's been given to me as a mother, as a parent, even my husband, you know, having our children with us, it's just, it's so, it's just peaceful. It's, it's shalom. It's his shalom. It's his peace that surpasses all understanding. And to me, that financial, you know, that loss or whatever, it isn't. It's gain. It's complete gain. Thank you very much for all of those wise words. I hope the audience got something from this today. And thank you. We look forward to getting this episode out. All right, audience, that was Emily. She's a homeschooling servant leader in our communities. Hopefully all of you will become homeschooling servant leaders as well. Rescue your children from public schools. And in the end, that will rescue our constitutional republic. Amen. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview. And I hope to get more people like Emily on the show that we can show the way that we can take back control of our public education system or leave it in the dust and educate our children ourselves. Before I close the show, I would like to leave you with this from God's Word. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Allowing the corrosive, embittering teaching of our children in government schools discourages them. Take control of the education of your children, either through the ballot box and the school's boards of education, or bring them home and educate them properly in their home. Our communities and our republic need educated children that will someday serve in leadership positions. The current indoctrination and hate and divisiveness is poison to our country and our way of life. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.